Welcome to the Servant's Heart Chapel podcast with Pastor Daryl Underwood. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. So Acts chapter 15, this powerful, very significant chapter we just started last week. We're preaching the second half of it today. If you recall that there was an issue in Antioch, some new Christians, uh, all of them were uh, the, the uh, non-Jewish Gentile Christians, they they were being told that they had to get circumcised and had to follow the ceremonial Jewish law in order to be saved. And this perplexed them and, and was very grievous to them. And, and, the, and, and much debate occurred from that to where the, the Christian church at that time decided they were going to get together and in Jerusalem and have a council, we call it the Jerusalem Council, and decide once and for all what they're going to believe about that. And, and we talked about how Peter got up and, and, and gave his witness and mentioned the scriptures that he did, the prophets uh, speaking of God saving the Gentiles and how he, he, they saved God saved the Gentiles by faith. And then he said, on, on verse 11, we believe we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way they are. So he's saying, us as Jewish men, uh, we, we didn't earn our way uh, to salvation. That we also were saved by faith through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where I stopped for last week. So let's, let's get right into it this week, shall we? Verse 12, then the whole, assembly, the whole assembly fell silent. I want to stop right there. I've worked with groups trying to discuss things and figure things out, uh, both in a church setting and uh, in the military. And so I have an idea. I don't think there's some things that change over time and some things don't. And one of these things, if you get a group together and they're very passionate about what they're talking about, there's going to be a lot of side conversations going on. And so I can see that there was a lot of, Peter gave his speech, and there was a lot of rumbling going on. I Just, uh, just between people about this or that, and their thoughts, and their concerns, and their questions, and their criticisms. But uh, verse 12 says, The whole assembly fell silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul describing all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. So Paul and Barnabas went among the Gentiles, and, and God allowed them to perform many miracles. And what miracles were they? Well, they, didn't want, they don't need to actually outline those in this chapter, because they were already mentioned in Acts chapter 13 and, and 14. And verse, uh, so, so it just says that they talked about all these wonderful things God had done for through them among the Gentiles. Verse 13, after they stopped speaking, so they gave their peace. And they just wanted to share that, that God had healed the Gentiles like they had healed the Jewish people. That God had given the Gentiles the Holy Spirit like 
they did the Jewish people. And so they shared there and they sat down. And after they stopped speaking, James responded. Now this is the same James who is in fact the brother of Jesus. I can imagine it wasn't easy being Jesus' younger brother. That'd be tough. You always feel like you're falling short compared to your older brother who seems to do everything right. And he didn't believe it. None of it, Jesus' brothers believed in him when he was on, when he was on earth. They, they thought he was uh, actually going out of his blind. They thought he was going a little bit crazy, the Bible says. And he was beside himself. And they, try, they tried to step in and, and take care of matters. But they didn't believe him. Well, James did at this point. And James, this is the same James that wrote a letter that we now, we now call the book of James in the New Testament. And so this James, uh, he stood up and responded to what Peter and Paul and Barnabas had just said. And, he, and James said, brothers, listen to me. Simon has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. So he's saying, Simon, as in Peter, Simon Peter. He's saying how he, he, he reported that God intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And then James continued in verse 15, and the words of the prophets agree with this. And James begins to quote from Amos. What we call a minor prophet in the Old Testament, the book of Amos. And they weren't called minor prophets because of they were of lesser value than the major prophets. Just they just wrote smaller books. And Amos wrote a little bit, and 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 from Amos he quoted this verse, beginning of verse 16. After these things I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, and I, I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again. Let's stop there in that verse. So Amos foretells that David's line, his kingdom, his, his royal line will be brought back into place. Did you know Jesus was a descendant of David? He was in that line, the house of David. And so the uh, in verse seventeen, so the rest of human and, and there's a purpose. Remember the word "so." It infers we do this, and, and the impact is going to be that we did the purpose. It, it, it indicates the purpose of a prior action. So God is going to raise up Christ. Why? Verse seventeen. So the rest of humanity may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles, verse 17 continues, who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does these things, known from long ago. Wow. John Stott 
uh, summarize James James's uh, citation of Amos as this: that God promises to restore David's fallen tent and rebuild its ruins, which is the the resurrected and the resurrection and exaltation of Christ, so that even the Gentiles will seek the Lord and be included. They'll be saved. Verse 19, James continues, Therefore, the there, therefore is in conclusion, I, you know, having seen all this and, and reading what the prophets have foretold, in my judgment, James said, we should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God. But instead, we should write them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from eating anything that has been strangled by blood. Now, why do we do that? Part of that, the the uh, abstaining from things polluted by idols and eating anything that's been strangled uh, or from blood, that was that was strictly to maintain the peace. And we'll talk more about that as Christians. Because there was an issue. Some Christians felt it was wrong to eat meat that had been offered to idols, while other Christians had no problem with it. But we are called to peace. So we don't do anything that's going to be a stumbling block to our brethren. And he mentioned sexual immorality. Some very basic things. Let's at very least, let's, let's, let's t- talk about, and we're going to talk more about the, these essentials shortly. Let's write a letter to them and tell them at the very least, abide by these things. But he's inferring we're not going to expect them to follow ceremonial law. That's not what God intended. And verse 21, he says, For since ancient times Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city, every Sabbath day, he is read aloud in the synagogues. He's saying, we need to tell them this much. This this not abstaining from stuff polluted by idols, but from sexual immorality and from not eating things that have been strangled or and also uh, staying away from anything with blood in it. Because the Gentiles haven't had this 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 uh, preaching of God's word like we have. And so that's that's what James has to say about it. So James says his piece. And they seem to agree because in verse 22, then the apostles and the elders who with the whole church decided to select men who were among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, both leading men among the brothers. They, they wrote this letter to be delivered by them. So here's a letter. From the apostles and the elders, your brothers to the brothers among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Cilicia. Greetings. Verse 24. Because we have heard some, we've heard that some without our authorization. I find that interesting. We tend to get ourselves in trouble when we jump into things without, without going to others in higher authority or at least someone who's been around the block a little bit. It says, some without authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts. 
What do they say? Remember, they're telling them you need to be circumcised and keep the law. Verse 25. We have unanimously decided to select men and send them among you, along with our dearly beloved uh, Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth. Verse 28. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours to put no greater burden on you than these necessary things. That's kind of important right there. I want to stop right there. It was the Holy Spirit's decision, and we agree, to put no greater burden on you than some necessary things. I, I, I've always tried to emulate how God deals with a baby Christian. Because mind you, they have a lot more to learn than just those three commands. There's lots of other commands that Jesus gave and, 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 and principles that they need to learn about loving God and loving others. About what sin what is right and wrong. But right now, we're going to put no greater burden on you. We're going to, we're going to start, uh, start simply. A lot of baby Christians have gotten frustrated and overwhelmed with a well-meaning, uh, more mature Christian who starts throwing things at them. Verse 29. That you abstain from food offered idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. And so that's a letter. Very short, to the point. Here's what we decided. Here's what you need to do. Verse 30, then being sent off, they went down to Antioch, and after gathering the assembly, they delivered the letter, and when they read it, they rejoiced. I'd be happy too. Because for a while, they weren't sure if they were going to have to follow all the Judea, and to learn all the different laws and ceremonies. No, you don't have to do that to be saved. They rejoice because of its encouragement. Verse 32. Both Judas and Silas, who were also prophets themselves, encouraged the brothers and strengthened them with a long message. There's a scripture support for long preaching. There is a value to preaching. There should be a benefit to it. I try very hard to provide a well-prepared spiritual meal each and every Sunday. I don't want to feed you anything that's going to be that that's 
that doesn't have a lot of nutrients in it. That's just going to waste your time that you're not going to grow from. I want you to be convicted of sin. I want you to be encouraged in God. I want you to be drawn closer to Him. And sometimes the food prepared is soft. It's easy to, to digest and make it a part of your life. Sometimes it, it, you have to chew on it for a while. You have to think about it. You write it down in your notebook, and in and, and that week you think about it and you pray about it as the Lord teaches you. Sometimes the food is really sweet. And oh, it's good. Oh, you love it. Oh, I wish I had more. That's fantastic preaching. Good. Preach it. Preach it, brother. That's awesome. And sometimes it's kind of bitter. Ew. I can't swallow that. Here's what I ask of you each and every Sunday. I work hard to try to prepare you something of value to you. What I want you to do is one thing you can do to improve your experience during this time. It's real simple. Come hungry. And I don't mean physically hungry. We're going to be eating pretty soon, and I'm looking forward to that. But I mean spiritually hungry. And the only way, when you, I don't know about you, um, those times when I am, am physically active, if I go for a long run, or if I'm working outside for several hours, when I'm done, I'm hungry. I want some food. The same thing goes with spiritual food. If you exercise yourself spiritually all that week prior, if you spend time in God's Word and spend time talking to God, thinking about God, when you come to church, you're going to come hungry. And when you're hungry, it looks good. And you're going to get a lot more out of it. When I got, there was a time when I was just kind of a, a nominal Christian. I don't know if anybody else can empathize with it or not. Maybe none of you were just mediocre Christians, but I was. Just kind of went through the motions. Did the bare minimum. Didn't really have a devotional life. Just with the church mainly. And church was like, okay, okay, yeah, it's all right. The preacher's all right. It's not very good. It's not horrible. Then I got serious with God. And I started spending time with Him daily. And started changing my life and changing my attitude. And something about church, the preacher got a lot better. How did that happen? That wasn't him. That was me. I got hungry. The value of preaching. So they strengthened them with a long message. Verse 33. After 
spending some time there, they were sent back in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas, along with many others, remained in Antioch, teaching and proclaiming the message of the Lord. So they stayed there, they, they taught, they encouraged people, a lot of baby Christians, so they, they, there's work to be done. There's education to be done, especially since a lot of them were, were, were Greek, were Gentiles, they had a lot to learn. Verse, uh, verse 36, after some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in every town where we have preached the message of the Lord and see how they're doing. That makes sense. Verse 37, Barnabas, Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul did not think it appropriate to take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So Barnabas wanted to take this guy that they had had trouble with in the past. He had failed them. And Paul wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to take the risk. Verse 39, And there was such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Did you know that? Did you know good, God-fearing people can, can disagree? We can have a serious discussion. And I can tell you you're wrong, and you can tell me I'm wrong, and, and we can, but we can still love one another. All too many Christians get their feelings hurt so easily and get offended. I've seen sinners go all out, like two guys on the flight line, just go all out yelling, screaming at each other over something, and then they're done. They're done. They're not mad at each other. They're not bitter. These are sinners. They don't love Jesus. They don't love God. They care only about themselves. But I've seen Christians get hurt and offended where they won't even fellowship with one another. And that's wrong. That's embarrassing. Paul and Barnabas, they had disagreement. And so then, and Barnabas took Mark with him. So they decided Barnabas was just going to do his thing and Paul was going to do this thing. Nothing wrong with that. We couldn't come up with a solution. Neither one of us, Barnabas wasn't willing to not let Mark, John Mark go with him. And, and uh, Paul still wasn't willing. So neither one of them won the argument. And so they went their separate ways. They still love one another. Barnabas took Mark and sailed off to Cyprus. Cyprus uh, verse 40, then Paul chose Silas and departed after being committed to the grace of the Lord by the brothers. Verse 41, he traveled through Syria, uh, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So thus ends chapter 15. There's some lessons I want to kind of conclude with. I want to kind of go back and, and, and make sure there's some major lessons we can gather from this chapter, this very significant chapter. Lesson number one. We should be flexible when it comes to non-essentials as Christians. 
John Newton, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, once uh, said that Paul was a reed in non-essentials and an iron pillar in essentials. So when it came to non-essentials, Paul was very flexible. But the essentials, Paul stood firm. What do we mean by non-essentials and essentials? Non-essentials can be differences between Christians but aren't a core part of the faith. Clothing. I, I may have a different standard of modesty than you. I know I have a different standard of modesty than some Christians. Some Christians, you know, my, my, my standard of modesty is, is the neck to knee needs to be covered. That's my standard of modesty. And there's some Christians that think I'm too conservative. There's other Christians who think I'm too liberal. There's some Christians who think that the sleeve needs to be past the elbow and even all the way to the wrist. There's differences in opinion on, on form and fit, on what's modest and what is not. These are not essentials. Every Christian has to decide for themselves what God, what God wants them to do. Activities. Some Christians uh, believe that you, you, it's not right to watch any kind of video at all. Some Christians don't believe it's right to even listen to the radio. And there's some Christians that go the other way and say, oh, it's okay to, to watch just about anything. There's a non-essentials can be food and drink. Some Christians believe eating and, and drinking certain things is, is, is right and wrong. And, and we know that from that's gone as far back as the Bible. As we mentioned, some Christians had a hard time eating meat that had been offered to idols. And back then, just about all the meat available had been offered to an idol. So non-essentials, we, we, we don't want to do anything that's going to violate our own conscience, and we don't want to be a stumbling block to our brothers. So my more conservative uh, brothers and sisters, I will never do anything to cause them to stumble. If I'm in a car with a brother who doesn't believe in listening to the radio, I'm not going to turn the radio on. I'm not going to tempt him. I'm going to be loving. But the core beliefs, the essentials, are your core beliefs. Those biblical certitudes, the infallibility of the Bible, that it's God's word. The deity of Christ, that Jesus is God, that's also a certitude. I, I'm willing to die for that truth. That's non-negotiable. Clear sins in the Bible like lying and stealing and, and, and having sex with someone who is not your spouse. That's non-negotiable. That's an essential. So that first lesson, we should be flexible with non-essentials. See, our life should be metered by love. Number two, the second lesson. There will be times when we have to abstain from certain liberties in order to maintain peace. Sometimes you may have to, you know it's not really wrong to do something, but 
you can end up causing a brother or sister to stumble. So in order to maintain peace and unity, you're going to go along with it. Number third, the third lesson. It kind of follows into from what we were saying for the second lesson. We must preserve the unity of the body of Christ. We're all Christ followers. Number the fourth lesson. We should stand firm in the essentials. Don't let the devil is going to try and, and continues to try to push us. Right now, one essential is our belief in what the Bible says. The Bible says that homosexual activity is wrong. It's a sin. And I love all people, but I will always call sin, sin. But there's this push to get us to stop doing that. And I'm seeing it more and more in media and in articles. I just saw an article from Psychology Today, a terribly written article. I don't even know if it was actually Psychology Today because, I don't know, I just had the, had the name, but the article was so poorly written, I'd be shocked if, if it was... If it was, but it was all about uh, Christians' intolerance because they won't, they, they, they continue to say that homosexual behavior is a sin. But we have to stand firm on the essentials. Number five, let's remember the relationship between grace, faith, and works. Let's say that I find out Tim is in danger. There's a group of guys that are coming to hurt him. So he's in danger. And so I call him and say, Tim, you got to get out of town. You're in danger. And Tim believes me. But he has no means to get out of town. So I provide him with a vehicle so he can get out of town. The danger Tim is in is, is like the state of the sinner. You're in danger. Him believing me and wanting to act upon that is faith. Me, me providing him with a car, a means that he, he couldn't get out of town at all until now. That's grace. And then the works is him actually following through with that. I believe, Daryl, that he said, my life is a danger, so I'm leaving town. That's works. So you have a, uh, someone who's lost in sin. They're in danger. They need to be saved. They need to be rescued. And they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus rescues them. By His grace, He gives them, a, grace is a helping hand. I can't do it myself. We can't save ourselves. But God saves us. All we have to do is ask for forgiveness for our sins. And Jesus will, will come into our heart. 
All we have to do is trust in Him. Number six. We are saved. Let's remember this. That we are saved by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. It is never we're saved by Jesus plus something else. It's only by Jesus. And number seven, let's never abandon the gospel of grace. Let's never go this dead uh, religion of works that if I do the right things and, and, and I'll get to heaven, if I, if I help enough people, I'll get to heaven. We live obedience to the Lord out of love and appreciation for what he has done for us. Jesus said, if you love me, you follow my commandments. I love Jesus because he saved me, rescued me, and forever changed my life. Praise be to God for his grace. Amen? All right, let's stand. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also, take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at ServantsHeartChapel.org, and you can email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.